I want to give you an update. We had our membership meeting last Tuesday night. Purpose of the meeting was to vote on Ryland Walter becoming the new senior pastor of Rockbrook Church. Uh, I'm going to become the founding pastor, and so we need a senior pastor. So we had a good turnout for the meeting. Uh, A lot of times for our membership meetings, we have very low turnout, but we had a good turnout for that one. Vote was unanimous uh, in favor of Ryland being uh, the new senior pastor. So we are real excited about that. Thank you for that support. We've got great things in store, days, weeks, months, years ahead here at Rockbrook. Great things are going to be happening. Uh, In fact, next week I I start our second summer sermon series, and it's called Unshakable. And we're going to be uh, looking at how to thrive in a culture that is hostile uh, to your faith. And we're going to be looking at the life of Daniel. Daniel was taken as a prisoner of war at the age of 15, carried off to a pagan country, and lived there for 70 years. And over 70 years in a culture that was hostile to his faith, he maintained his integrity. In fact, he received promotion after promotion after promotion without violating his faith. And at the age of 85, became the second in command. Survived two empire changes and led two emperors to faith in God. I mean, an amazing story of thriving in a difficult situation. And uh, so we're going to spend July and August uh, marching through uh, his life story. And I'm real excited about that. But today, I'm excited because we're going to finish up our toolkit uh, series. We started the year with It Is Written and 21 Days of Prayer, the two wings of the Christian life, abiding in prayer, abiding in the Word, been encouraging you to read through the Bible this year. And uh, many of you are doing that, and I'm excited for you. And some of you, you this is the week you ought to start. And uh, just jump in and start reading through it. And uh, but we're giving you a little bump here this summer on taking the next step, and that is not just to read the Bible, but study the Bible. Jesus said, if you continue in my word, uh, then you are my disciples. If you continue in my word. That's what I want to talk to you about today. How do you integrate God's word into every area uh, of your life? And I'll tell you, first of all, that it's not going to happen unless you have the desire. If you have no desire to be a man or woman of the word, it's never going to happen without desire. Psalm 119.20. David says, what I want most of all, in other words, the number one priority in my life, what I want most of all and at all times, he's integrated it into every area of his life, is to honor your laws. David says, what I want more than anything else is to be a man of the word. How do you do that? How do you be a man? How do you be a woman of the word? I want to give you six steps today that can help you do that. The first one is, If I'm going to be a man or woman of the Word, I must build on the Word. I must build on it. Make the Bible the foundation of my life. And Jesus talks about that in Matthew 7, 24. He says, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And in this little story, Jesus says you can either build your life on the rock or you can build your life on sand. And you get to pick. And if you build your life on the rock of God's word, when the storms of life come, and they will come, when the storms of life come, your life will stand if it's built on the rock. You build your life on shifting sand and the storms come, it's going to go splat. And we see that in people around us all the time. Their lives fall apart when the storms hit. So the first thing I must do is make the decision that I'm going to integrate God's word into every area of my life. 
I'm going to build on the Word of God as a foundation. Now, the problem is, is that we are tempted to build our life on other foundations. And it's a real temptation and a real struggle. And, and the first one is just to build your life on popular culture, whatever's popular today. And the problem with that is, is that whatever is popular today is going to be unpopular tomorrow. Whatever is cool today is going to be uncool tomorrow. And so you are constantly trying to build on a shifting foundation. God says in Exodus 30, uh, 23, 2, don't follow the crowd in doing wrong. Because the crowd, popular opinion, is usually wrong. Don't build your life on a shifting sand of popular opinion. Second thing you don't want to build your life on is tradition. Now, tradition is not necessarily bad. Things become a tradition because at one point in time they worked. And that's why it became a tradition. But no tradition lasts forever. Truth lasts forever, but tradition doesn't. And that's, there's a tension in the church with this one. Because the church can become very much focused on tradition. And, but traditions eventually wear out, become obsolete. Jesus told a group of religious leaders, he, he said, you have to let go, you have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to the traditions of men. He says, you, you've let go, the Bible is your foundation and you're making tradition your foundation. And, and, and it's going to be a weak foundation. Third thing you don't want to build your life on is, uh, is simply reason. Uh, now, reason is reasonable. God, God gave us a brain. He wants us to think. But sometimes what you think is reasonable is not actually true. I mean, have you ever had somebody tell you, well, I've always thought, and then they tell you something that, that's goofy. You know? I mean, just because you've always thought something doesn't mean it's truth doesn't mean you need to build your life on it. You want to build your life on truth according to God's word. I mean, how many times have you done what seemed reasonable and it blew up on you, blew up on your face? And you know, what, what, what seems to be the right thing to do isn't, unless it's confirmed in God's word. So human reason, it, it'll make for a weak foundation. And then the most important one, I think, uh, to avoid is the fourth one, and that's emotion. Now, some people build their life on their emotion, on their feelings. If it feels right, I'm going to do it. If I don't feel like doing it, I'm not going to do it. And the problem with that is, is your feelings lie to you all the time. Your feelings are highly unreliable. They're more unreliable than your thoughts. And if you live your life by your feelings, you're just going to be manipulated by your moods. Listen, most of what gets done in the world gets done by people who don't feel like doing it. Most people do not feel like going to work every day. Most people do not feel like doing what they're called upon to do. You know, if we just all did what we felt like doing, nothing would get done. You've got to move against your feelings. Because if you build your life on your emotions, what you feel, it's a shaky foundation. Judges is a great book in the Bible that illustrates that because in the nation of Israel at that time, there's no king. It says people did whatever they felt like doing. And when people do whatever they feel like doing, it leads to chaos and disorder. And so if you want to avoid chaos and disorder in your life, you've you got to build your life on the foundation of God's word, not just on how you feel. Second thing you've got to do 
is I must feed on it. If I'm going to integrate God's Word into my life, I've got to feed on God's Word. The Bible talks about uh, the Word being uh, spiritual food. It's spiritual water, spiritual milk, spiritual bread, spiritual meat. It, it is the spiritual sustenance of your life. And you have to feed yourself. You've got to eat. You know, if, if you want physical strength, you've got to eat physical food. I mean, you, never, you notice what happens to you when you get hungry? You know, how many of you get hangry? Anybody get hangry? You know, you're hungry, you're just mad at the world. You know, you know you've got to feed yourself physically in order to have the strength to do what you're doing. If you're a building contractor, you're not going to send guys out on your work crew who haven't eaten for three weeks. If you're a military commander, you're not going to send guys into battle who haven't eaten for four days. You know, and, and yet we're building our spiritual lives. We're engaged in spiritual battle, and many of us are trying to do it without sustenance. We're trying to do it without any spiritual food. And the Bible says, no, 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 you've got to stop starving yourself spiritually. You've got to feed on the Word of God. Colossians 3.16 says, let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. You let it take up residence in your life in a rich way. You integrate it. Now, I want to be as practical as I can here, and I'm just going to give you some ways that you can uh, feed on the Word of God. And one of them is, is I receive it with my ears. Receive it with my ears. The Bible says faith comes through hearing the Word of God. And so you just need to intentionally set yourself up to have opportunities to hear the Word of God. I applaud you. You've done that here today. You've come, you're listening to a sermon, and we're talking about the Word of God. That's a great, a great thing to do. But I'd encourage you through the week to give yourself opportunities to hear the Word of God. Listen to Christian radio. Listen to sermons. we got our sermons on the web. You can listen to them over and over again through the week. Uh, you know, you, you can uh, read the Bible out loud to yourself. It's amazing what happens when you read the Bible out loud to yourself and you hear it in addition to just looking at it with your eyes. Read it to your kids. Listen to it. Listen to it in, in the car. Listen to, I love my Bible app. It reads the Bible to me. And I love that. It'll read it while I'm driving around and stuff. So we want to we receive it with our ears. Second way I eat the word is I read it with my eyes. Why do you think God gave us a book? He gave us a book so we can read the word. Not just so we can set it on the coffee table and impress everybody with how spiritual we are. No, he gave it to us so we can read. Uh, we can read it. It came to us as a book. Now, there's a weakness in, in, in these because stuff can go in one ear and out the other. And stuff uh, can go in one eye and out the other. I mean, you, you ever been reading, reading along, and all of a sudden you realize, I don't remember what I'm reading. I need to go back and to the point where I remember what, I've, what I was reading. And so... Maybe I'll just start over, okay? <laughs> you know, so, so you know, hearing it and reading it, uh, you got to go to the third step if you're going to eat it, and that is I research it with my hands and my mouth. I've been telling you the difference between reading the Bible, and do, do not discount reading the Bible, but the difference between reading the Bible and studying the Bible is when you study the Bible, you write things down. You got a pencil and a paper, and you write things down. You write down your questions, your observations, your interpretation, the correlation with other verses. You write down your application. And you read it and you study it with your hands. But you also do that with your mouth. And that's the power of being in a small group. 
Because thoughts disentangle themselves when they pass through the lips and the fingertips. You know, if you can't write it down clearly, if you can't tell somebody else what, what you've learned in a way that makes sense, then you haven't really grasped it yourself. And so the act of writing it and the act of speaking it to somebody else, it, it, it organizes your thoughts and helps you uh, to learn it. Now, the fourth way I feed myself is I reflect on it with my mind. I just I, I fill my mind with Scripture. And, and we call that's the Christian discipline, spiritual discipline of meditation. Now, in our day, there's, there's all this Eastern junk about meditation, all this yoga stuff, and the idea is, is that you empty your mind. That is not Christian meditation. Christian meditation, the goal is not to empty your mind. I mean, think about this. How many of us really need to do that? Okay. <laughs> no, the goal of Christian meditation is to fill your mind with the Word of God. You let the Bible occupy your thoughts. And so you take a Bible verse and you think about it. And maybe you got a verse for the week or a verse for the day. And throughout that time, you just ponder that verse uh, in your mind. And you think about each word and you think about phrases and think about how, how it all fits together and how it fits in your life. So you reflect on it with your mind. And the fifth way I feed myself is I remember it with my heart. You know, when you, uh, to know something by heart means you've memorized it. And I know as soon as I use the word memorize, I just I start losing people left and right. Because you're like, you know, I just can't memorize. I can't memorize anything. And I'll tell you, the older I get, the worse my memory gets. And I mean, I park at the same place every store I go to because if I don't park there, I'll come out and call the police because somebody stole my car, okay? Because, I mean, it's hard for me to... I blew that joke. I almost blew it in this service, in the first service, because I can remember a one-line joke, okay? <laughs> I came out and said, what do you call Philippe Falop? And that was the response. <laughs> yeah. So, so I get the memory thing. I get that. But I, I want to encourage you, don't let that discourage you from memorizing the Word of God. And I've come to learn that, you know, if I memorize it today and I forget it tomorrow, that doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit can't call it to my memory when I need it. And I've focused more, not so much trying to say it word for word, but if I can familiarize myself with the verse, if I can be familiar with what it says, and if I can understand what it says, and if I can internalize what it says, then I can claim that word uh, when, when I need it. Uh, you know, Psalm 119 says, how can a young person stay on the path of purity? How does an old guy do it? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart, do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And so I, I memorize the word. I familiarize myself with the word. I internalize uh, the word. And you know what happens? When you do that, something starts to happen in your soul. Something starts to happen in you. Your life begins to change. Leads you to the third thing you've got to do if you're going to integrate the word into your life. You've got to live by the word of God. It's not only food for your soul, it becomes the standard that you live by. As Psalm 1 says, blessed is the one who doesn't walk in the counsel of the ungodly, but who meditates on the word of God. And the counsel of the ungodly is all around us. The counsel of the ungodly is just the world culture that we live in. It's the movies, the magazines, the TV, the music, the news. I mean, it's just all the, everything out there. 
advertisements. I mean, it's the values of the world around us. The world around us is opposed to God. And if, if you listen to the counsel of the ungodly, it'll destroy your life. And you've got you to gotta live, you've got to invest your life, build your life on the Word of God. You know, I've hidden your Word in my heart that I might not sin against you. That's the goal of this, so that we can, we can overcome the temptations that come into our life and start living by the Word of God. In Matthew 4, Jesus is tempted by the devil. And I mean, here it is. It's the conflict of the ages. It's the Son of God versus the rebel of God. It is the ultimate good faced with ultimate evil. And you know, you see that conflict and you think, man, this is going to be a mano a mano, kung fu, kickboxing, lightsaber, stuff flashing out of their eyes. I mean, these guys are going to go at this. Not what happens at all. No. The epitome of evil, subtly, tempts good to do the wrong thing. Nothing major. Hey, you're hungry? Turn those stones into bread. Hey, you know, you're, you're all that. Set yourself up and let people worship, worship you. Put yourself ahead of God the Father. Hey, you know, you want to uh, pitch yourself off of that pinnacle and see if the angels come save you? Yeah. So it's subtle. It's subtle. Same thing happens in your life. It's subtle. How does Jesus refute it? The way Jesus defends himself is the same way we need to defend ourselves. And he defends himself by saying, it is written. And he just pulls out a Bible verse and just beats the devil to death with it. It is written. It's the word, it's the word that's hidden in your heart that's going to help you to get onto the victory side of those temptations. And, and I would encourage you, you, you just need to identify the areas of your life where you're tempted and then find a Bible verse and familiarize yourself with it integrated into your life so that when you're tempted you don't fall for the temptation anymore you win you win the battle and it will begin to change how you live you begin to live you'll let the word of christ dwell in you richly and it, it you start to become a brand new person you live differently than you used to and that leads to the fourth thing if i'm going to integrate god's word into my life i need to grow through it it needs to make a difference in my life. I need, how do you know something's mature? It begins to bear fruit. And the Bible refers to itself as a seed that's planted in your heart. And if the seed finds good soil, it will put down roots and it will bear fruit. No root, no fruit. Say that with me. No root, no fruit. And so God wants you to be fruitful in your life. But in order to bear fruit, you've got to have an open and receptive heart. You have to have a desire to grow to spiritual maturity. Psalm 119.18 says, Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. Listen, people, there are wonderful, wonderful things for you in here. Wonderful things about how to be a husband and a wife and a parent, a mom, a dad, a kid, an employee, a servant of Jesus Christ, a person who loves one another, a person whose life matters. I mean, there are wonderful, wonderful things in here for you. But you've got to open your eyes and see it. And you really have to ask God to help you open your eyes. Uh, you know, the, Jesus told a whole story about this in, in Luke 8. It's called the parable of the soils. And for years, my, my, my understanding of that parable was that there are four different types of people. 
that, that, that receive the word in different ways. And some people are hard-hearted, and some people, you know, they, they receive it for a little while, and then they give up, and other people receive it, but worries and things come in, and then there are people who really receive the word and grow. And so I viewed it as four different people. I've come to understand it differently. I've come to view it as it's not four different people, it's four different responses to the Word of God. And I, as an individual, can have all four of those different responses in regards to the Word of God. I can receive the Word of God differently in different areas of my life. Let me, let me walk you through this. And you know, on the same day, I can have four different attitudes toward the Word of God. One is, is, is hardened soil. The hardened soil represents a closed mind. There are areas of our life where we don't even give God the chance to talk to us. Our minds are made up. Our hearts are hard. We are not willing to listen to what God has to say. You know, I don't want to hear what God has to say about my girlfriend. I, I like my girlfriend just fine. I don't want to hear what God has to say about that area of my life. I don't want to hear what God has to say about my debt. I like my debt. I like what it's gotten me. I'm okay with the tension and the conflict and the stress it's creating in my life. I'm okay. I don't want to hear about this. This is just how I live. I, I don't want to hear what God has to say about the things I watch or the words that come out of my mouth. Is that my mind is closed. Got my mind made up on a particular issue, on a particular area. So the antidote to that is, is I got to cultivate an open mind. If I'm going to let the truth of God's word change my life, I've got to open up my mind and let God talk to me about every area of my life. Second one is the shallow soil, and that's just a superficial mind. You know, that's where, you know, stuff comes in and then I just don't do anything. Oh, that was a great sermon, but, you know, I forget it by the time I get down to the stop sign. We get all excited about a Bible verse and post it on Facebook and then just forget about it. No, I don't want my life to be shallow. I want my life to matter. I want it to count. I want to do important things. I want to have depth and meaning. And in order for that to happen, I must make time for God's Word. You know, if all I do is just give God's Word these quick little glances, if I don't make time for God's Word in my life, then I'm not going to put down any spiritual roots. Because roots take time to develop. A lot of times on a plant, you know, you're, you're not seeing any growth at all. You're wondering, is the thing even alive? Is it dead? No, it's growing roots. And the roots grow first. And then the sprouts come, and then it begins to bear fruit. But no root, no fruit. So I've got to take time for God's Word. Third soil is a soil with weeds. And that represents a preoccupied mind. And the Word of God comes in, but I'm so busy with everything else. I'm worry, stress, life, money, activity, things going on. I just get preoccupied, and, and the Word can't develop any roots, and I don't bear fruit. And so I must eliminate the distractions. I'm convinced as a pastor, pastoring for 25, 28 years, I can't even remember how many, but the, I'm convinced that the biggest struggle that American Christians have is not with some deep, dark sin. It's just with busyness. It's just with busyness. Talking to Dave Clinton, you know, coming back from the Philippines, and he goes, I can't believe how busy everybody is here doing nothing, doing things that don't matter. You know, he sees his family, he talks to people in the churches, and we're just all running around like maniacs doing all this stuff. And, and it's, none of it's bad. We're just in this flurry of good things that are just wearing us out and robbing us of the opportunity of doing the best things. 
doing things that really matter, that will bear fruit in our lives. And I tell you, I'm convinced most of us could cut out half of what we do and we would be healthier physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Healthier in our relationships if we just cut out a lot of this stuff. That we're, you're just tired all the time. Listen, the, the, most of you, the devil is not going to make you bad. So he'll settle for making you busy. Because if he can make you busy, he can keep you from the best things that God has for you. And so you've got to, you've got to pay attention to this and, and not just be sucked into all this busyness. You know, and summer's a great time to get overloaded. And we've got more opportunities in the summer. It's also a great time to do some pruning. Summer's a great time to sit down and make a to-don't list. You know? You just say, okay, we're not doing this anymore. We're not doing this anymore. We're not doing this anymore. And, you know, it's you and me, babe, and some iced tea in the Bible on the patio. And uh, the kids can play in the yard. And uh, it's a great time to, to get some sanity back into your life and get focused on the things that are really important. And finally, there's a fourth kind of soil, a fourth response to the Word, and that's a willing mind. That's the good soil where the seed of truth gets planted in your heart and the roots go deep and you grow and you develop and you bear fruit. And in order to do that, you've got to cooperate with what God says. You've got to open up every area of your life and say, okay, God, what does your word say I need to do here? And that's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to be hard-hearted about it. I'm going to be receptive. I'm going to cooperate with the word of God. Which leads us to the fifth way I integrate God's word into my life. I must act on it. I must act on it. James 1.22 says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive ourselves. He says, if you show up at church and listen to a sermon and then you just drive home and don't do anything about it, you're deceiving yourself. So it's like a man who, who looks in the mirror and, and then doesn't do anything about his appearance. You know, what, what good does it do you? He says, don't deceive yourselves. Do what it says. You know, if it's just in one ear and out the other, in one eye, out the other, if, you know, if it just bounces off my heart, I'm deceiving myself. If I'm studying the Bible, I'm writing it down, but I don't actually do it, I'm deceiving myself. Jesus says, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. If you do them. It, it all comes down to being a doer, the Word of God. Bearing that fruit that He wants you to bear. Finally, one last thing I need to do. If I'm going to integrate the Word into my life, I must trust in it. I must trust in it. Listen, th this book is going to tell you to do some things that are hard. It's going to tell you to do some things that are uncomfortable. It's going to tell you to do some things that you don't want to do. It's going to tell you to do some things that are new, that you've never done before. And, and you've you got to trust in it. You've got to realize, yeah, I, I know it's hard. I know I don't want to do it. I've never done it before, uh, but I've got to do it. And the reason is, is because this book will never lead you wrong. God will never steer you in the wrong direction in your life. Other people will. Other people will. The world will. I mean, I've had, I've had well-meaning friends give me horrible advice. And you have too. It's so that well-meaning people steer you in the wrong direction. God's word will never do that. It'll never do that. You've got to trust it. Psalm 119, 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. It's a lamp, it's a light, and it shows me the way. 
You know, it's like a flashlight. You know, you use a flashlight. You shine a flashlight way out, the light diffuses, and you can kind of see things out there. But, you know, honestly, it's not much help to you. But you shine a flashlight down here, and you can see where to put your next step. And you shine it down, and you can see where to put your next step. I mean, it's amazing how you let the, let the light function in the dark like that. What a difference it can make. Same thing's true for a believer. When you shine the light way down there, and you can see heaven down there, and that's great. You know, the Word shows us our destination, but the beauty of it is, is it'll get you there step by step by step. And that's what I need. I mean, I, you know, I, I, heaven's assured for me, whoopee, I'm excited about that. But I've got to live here tomorrow. <laughs> I've got decisions I've got to make. And, and uh, I mean, are you ever in the dark? I mean, you ever think, you know, I just, I just do not know what to do about this relationship. I just do not know what my next step is. I do not know what to do about this job. I'm in this job. It's an okay job, but, I, I, but I've got an opportunity for another one. What do I do? How do I, how do, I do I stay? Do I go? Do I, what, what do I do? I mean, how, how, do I, how do I function just day to day? Well, you trust. What do you do when you're in the dark? You turn on the light. You turn on the light. And so the next time you're in the dark about something, just say, you know, God, you said in Psalm 119, 105, you said your word is a light to my feet and a lamp for my path. God, keep your promise. I'm going to start reading your word, and I want you to turn the light on for me and tell me what I need to do. And you know what? He will do it. He'll do it. It's amazing how he does that. And I just want to just challenge you. Open your heart and mind to the word of God. Read the Word of God so you know what's in there. Study the Word of God so that it goes deep into your heart. And it'll change the way you live and you'll begin to bear fruit. If you continue in my Word, then you'll be my disciples. So keep reading. If you haven't started reading the Bible this year, here's your shot. Just pick it up and start reading it. There are lots of good Bible reading plans out there that will help you. I love the Bible reading plans. The idea of most people just popping open their Bible and reading through it, you just get worn out you don't do it. But you get a Bible reading plan and you can check it off and and mark your progress. And if you miss a day or two, fine, just jump back in and just keep reading. Read the whole thing. How are you going to know what's in it if you never read it? And then begin to study the whole thing. It's lifetime endeavor. Begin to pick passages and study it. Keep the habit of personal study and personal reading. Jump into a small group. Keep that going. So you can become a man, a woman of the Word. Two wings of the Christian life. Abide in prayer. Abide in the Word. And Jesus says if you'll do that, it'll renew your strength. It'll renew your youth like the eagles. And you will soar. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for the Word of God. I thank you that it calms our fears, it enlightens our minds, it strengthens our wills, it grows us to maturity, it leads us in the dark. And so God, I just pray that we would become men and women of the Word. And if you're here today and and you've never made that connection with Jesus Christ, you've, you've never trusted in Him as your Lord and Savior, I just would encourage you to do that right now. Word of God is not going to make any sense to you until you're connected with Christ. And if you'll just open your heart, invite him in, he'll come in, forgive you of your sins, bind up your wounds, heal you, and begin to give you a wisdom and an insight on how to live life beyond what you ever imagined. And you can establish a solid foundation, and you can begin to change your behavior, and you can become a new person. 
God, we thank you for that hope. We pray that that would be our desire, that would be what we want the most. In Jesus' name we pray.